So you're pretty handy. You've got some skills and a bucket of tools. But are you really sure how to fix that faucet or repair that hole in the wall? And what would it take to do a remodeling project yourself? If you're unsure, even a little bit, hit the pause button on those projects and take a listen to Contractor John, or you might end up singing the DIY blues. Welcome to the DIY House Medic Podcast. The doctor is in. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Yes, Contractor John here. The doctor is in, like Roy said. Uh, welcome to everyone out there. Hey, big shout out to uh, Roy Worley for that outstanding intro. Uh, Roy Worley, voiceover.com. Roy Worley, VO.com. If anybody needs any voiceover work, I highly recommend it. Roy did a fantastic job on uh, the lead in. I'll have his uh, link in the uh, show notes here. So if, if this is your first time here, and if I got to be honest with you, it's the first time for all of you because this is the very first podcast of DIY House Medic, the very first one. So welcome everyone. Glad you could make it here today. So uh, I just, seeing as how this is the first podcast and stuff, I just want you to know where where I'm at and why I'm here. Right? I, I love to help you guys. I love to teach people. Oh, it seems like I'm always getting in that position where people are asking me for advice about their projects and everything. Uh, you know what? I, I To go back to the intro, the doctor is in. I guess I'd be more of a uh, general practitioner than a specialist. So uh, that's that's how I look at myself. kind of know a lot about the industry, been in the industry for a long, long time. And uh, we've seen quite a bit, quite a bit, quite a bit. So... Uh, if you're building your 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 dream home, or or you're remodeling your home, or just taking care of it, uh, this is the podcast for you, definitely. So, and before we dive in, part of my teaching philosophy is that the more you know about something, uh, the better decisions you're going to make. Knowledge is power, right? I mean, you know, you don't have to be an expert at everything, but understanding the process and what it takes to do something is a big part of the battle. So I'm going to try to fill in those blanks in your knowledge so you can stay out of trouble if you if you want to look at it like that. So I, I'm also a, a huge believer of processes and systems. Uh, we don't invent, reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, you know, I have a sign in my office that uh, I point to nearly every day. Well, not now because we're home, but at the office at work. So it says simply honor the process. Uh, when you cut corners and you cheat the system and everything, it uh, always comes back to get you, you know. So we try not to do that here. So I'm going to be dropping in stories and acronyms and, and whatever I think is going gonna, is gonna to help you guys be able to better visualize, uh, to see through this this medium, uh, radio medium, what I'm talking about. All right, I want to, and I want to strike the balance between the technical aspect of things, you know, and why we do what we do, and then the easier, more kind of like common sense, relatable approach to things. So I, I feel like you need a little, a little uh, knowledge in that technical side and stuff. Why? Uh, some people may need more of that. And uh, I'll try to kind of blend it 
That's that's what I guess I'm trying to say. So if you stick around to the end of the show, uh, you'll have a chance to win a copy of my book, The Dimension Bible for Builders and Remodelers. So stick around and uh, we'll talk about that later. So uh, I understand many of you are going to be listening to this show while you're driving, running on a treadmill. Uh, I, I personally could not run at all, at all. When I was in high school, a little quick story here. Right? When I was in high school, we had to run a mile in 10 minutes or less. Some president's fitness program. They should have impeached that guy. Anyway, I, I, I wound up running it three times because I couldn't get it done in under 10 minutes. And even that third time I ran, I, I was about a half a lap from the finish line. And I looked at my watch. I, I knew I would never make it. I remember feeling I'll have to do it all over again. I heard Mr. Schultz, the teacher, yelling, come on, come on, you can do it. Yeah, right, I thought. This is never going to happen. As I eventually crossed the finish line, Mr. Schultz yelled out, nine minutes, 59 seconds, great job. <sighs> yeah, I never said thank you to Mr. Schultz, so thank you, Mr. Schultz. Uh, I'm going to have the links and referrals and uh, acronyms in the show notes like I said earlier, so don't worry about taking notes or whatever. Uh, if you have a question, comment on anything, your personal project, something that I said or wasn't said in this in a podcast or whatever, uh, jump on over to the Contractor John Facebook page uh, and ask me. Post it there, and I will do my best to answer you right away. So, Now, today's subject, uh, keeping the moisture out of your home. Uh, before, you know, I, I just want to say I'm not oblivious to the whole COVID-19 pandemic that we're in the middle of. Uh, I'm in Illinois here, so we've just had it extended till till May 30th. So we've got like 28 more days to go through this shelter in place thing here. So, but I just, I'm trying to make this podcast a form of escape. So we don't have to talk about that all the time and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, saying that, in this uh, talk today, in keeping the moisture out of your home, there's going to be quite a few projects kind of wrapped up in this discussion today. So you could choose to get your mind off of what's happening all around us by engaging in some of those projects or whatever. So, so just uh, think about that as we're going through what you could do in your house to improve it so that we don't trap moisture and stuff like that. So, uh, all right. I guess we're going to jump right into keeping the moisture out of your home for today. Discussion. I, I got to say, in all my years in this construction world, and it's been a bunch, all right, I can tell you without a doubt or fear of contradiction, the single biggest uh, detriment or destroyer of homes is water and moisture. I, I see this just about daily in my full-time job. And, and so if you guys know what that is, I am the Director of Construction Services for Will County Habitat for Humanity. Uh, Will County is uh, a collar county of Chicago. It's a huge, huge county uh, outside Chicago, like the Joliet region, that area like that. So uh, I see what moisture does and what water does to houses. And it's just, it's, it just destroys them. It just absolutely destroys it. So now 
there's a difference, yes, between water and moisture. I get it, okay? But moisture in your homes is still a huge problem. And it's always been in our homes, and it's always going to be there, all right? As long as we cook and bathe in our homes, it's just always going to be there. So we're not really talking about keeping moisture out of our homes as much as we're going to try to manage it once it's inside of our homes. So, you know, way back when, uh, years and years and years ago, uh, in those what we call pre-energy efficiency days, when when the houses were loose and drafty, you know, not insulated real well and everything, we had an, an abundance. We had just a whole bunch of what we call air changes per hour. And ACH is the acronym for that. Remember that because we're going to talk more about that later. So, and like I said, all these things are going to be in the show notes so you don't have to take notes in that. So, uh, you know, back then, indoor moisture levels and even indoor pollutants and off-gassing, all that kind of stuff wasn't a big concern at all, all right? So now that we're building homes tighter and tighter and tighter, that indoor air quality is a, it's more worrisome than ever, all right? It's something that we really have to take seriously. Uh, This new 2015 energy code, that they've uh, passed, you know, I, I, I honestly, I understand the need for energy efficiency and everything, but I think they're making houses just too tight now. And when you, when you make a house so tight that you have to introduce fresh air into it, I, I don't, I don't get that <laughs> on a level. Okay. Uh, you've, you've changed the airflow, the air changes an hour, you've cut that down to a point because you've insulated so tight where you have to introduce fresh air into the house. It, it's like an oxymoron. I just, I don't get that thing. But but we'll talk about that in another, another time, another discussion here. So now think about things like cooking pasta or, or a big giant pot of soup or, or anything like that. You know, it does add moisture to your home. I mean, you can see it, you know. So when you're doing that in a kitchen, you always want to run that exhaust fan when you're cooking and make sure that exhaust fan is vented to the outside. Okay, now they have those fans that just take the air out, filter the grease and that kind of stuff out of it, and then pump the air right back into the house. That's not the best kind of situation, all right? It needs to be vented to the outside to get all that stuff outside uh today though we're going to focus on bathroom moisture and how to reduce that because that's like the biggest uh introducer of moisture into the home so uh one of the on your your bathroom one of the biggest uh areas is when you're taking a shower or a bath typically a shower all right and we get all that moisture in there a bath fan is our is the way that we're going to get most of that moisture out of the home, all right? And bath fans, the rating on your bath fans is CFM, and that stands for cubic feet per minute of air displacement, all right? Now, that's critical to sizing that fan, correctly sizing that fan to your bathroom, all right? So to, uh, let me help you, let me help you with this, okay? To properly size that fan to your bathroom, I'm going to give you a formula that you use to calculate the correct size of that fan. 
Are you guys ready for this? Now, like I said, you don't have to write it down. It'll be in the show notes. That formula is width times length times height times eight air changes an hour equals CFH. Then divide by 60 to get the CFM. All right. Now, I'm sure you got all that. All right. But let me slow down. So let me go through that again. Cubic feet per minute is the width of the bathroom times the length times the height times eight air changes an hour equals the cubic feet per hour and then divide that by 60 to get the cubic feet per minute. That's the formula used to size your bath fan. Now, I'm going to give you a shortcut too because that can get a little bit crazy and uh, there's no reason to go through all that. So the shortcut, if you have an eight-foot ceiling, you measure the square foot of the room and say it's a 955 bathroom, which most, most bathrooms are. That would equal about 45 square foot and thusly 45 cubic feet per minute. That's what you're going to need. So it's important when you go shopping for a bath fan, all right, to size it right. All right, now too large will waste energy and remove, you know, heated and or cooled air from the room. And remember, when it's sucking air out of that room, air's got to come in from another room to replace it. Always remember that, all right? So... The fan is there to remove that moisture and the odors, and the closer to the source you have that fan, the better that it's going to function. Now, if you're enclosing a fan in an enclosed toilet room, then you might want to consider a vertical mount fan, okay, instead of up on the ceiling, right on the side wall. But if you're going to do that, make sure that the fan you're selecting is approved for that vertical installation, because not all of them are. Typically, and this won't be a problem, but the exhaust fan has a three-inch duct coming out of it. And your stud, your wall studs, your cavity is three and a half inches wide, so that shouldn't be a problem. But make sure that uh, you don't have some kind of different situation in, in your bathroom there and that that exhaust duct will fit in the wall, okay? So a lot of times we install those combination units where we have the fan and the light in the ceiling in the bathroom. So when we have a tub or tub shower in that same room, okay, we do a ceiling mount, and that's pretty much standard. That's what you'll see probably 90% of the time. So when you do install this fan, though, in a 9 by 5 bathroom, you pretty much want to set it in the center of the bathroom. And again, if it's that combination unit, you're going to have the light and the fan, so you kind of want it in the middle of the room. Just don't get it too close to the tub, or it's going to... Uh, create a drafty kind of situation right in that tub area. So 9x5 bathroom, middle of the room is fine, right? Now, the goal here is is to capture that, that warm, moist air when it's naturally displaced by the water. Now, we're typically we're talking showers here because although you can run a hot bathtub and stuff, you really don't get that much steam out of it unless you're in this big, massive whirlpool and then you're not going to have a 9x5 bathroom anyway. So when that water is displaced by the shower, we want it, the fan to take that out. We don't want it to suck the air out of the shower area, okay? Because if you do that, you're going to create this draft and then that air is going to be blown over your wet skin and and any air traveling over wet skin obviously you guys know that feels cool so we don't want to create that so the air as i talked about this earlier when the air is taken out of that room air from another room has to flow into that room so typically if you're 
have the door closed, it's going to come, new air is going to come underneath that door, all right? And for you to check this, just close the door, turn the fan on, hold your hand down by the bottom of the door, and you will feel a breeze, all right? And that's it bringing new air into that so it doesn't create a, a negative pressure uh, situation. And we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. So when you take a shower, run, almost all the experts agree that if you run that fan for 20 minutes after you get done taking a shower, that that's going to be enough time to get the moisture out of the home. Another uh, way you could look at it is when the steam is gone off the mirror, uh, you can shut the fan off. That'll work too good. So Now, like I talked about combination units earlier, when you install a combination unit, use separate switches for that. All right, because then you can leave the fan run without leaving the light on for that extra 20 minutes after you exit the bathroom. Now, just like in the kitchen, I want you to make sure that that fan is vented to the outside and not just up into the attic. Now, code requires it be vented to the outside, but there's different ways that it gets vented to the outside. All right? Sometimes it's run up through the joists and it just runs and it 90s down into a soffit, a vented soffit panel. And that's checked on the rough inspection. So when they put all the insulation in there and somebody gets up in there, they could knock that loose. They could pull it back and just blow it up in the attic. Another time, another way to do it is they just string it up and they run a screw through the edge of the flex duct and they put it up in a rafter right by the, the uh, one of your uh, roof vents. And those things have a tendency after a few years to rip or get loose and fall down. So it's just vented to the attic. So make sure that it's vented to the outside. The best way to do it is to run that pipe, strap it along a rafter, and then run it to a roof jack uh, and, and, and attach it permanently and securely to a roof jack. That's the best way to do it. So, But double check on that. And, and, and because if it just vents to the attic, you're taking all that moisture from the house now. You're pumping it in the attic, and you're going to have a worse problem up there because you're not up there all the time. And all that moisture up there, now you're going to get mold up there and everything. And before you know it, you're going to have a major problem. So uh, that's something you want really want to check and make sure that that's done correctly. So uh, let me give you a little bonus thing here, okay? When you hear the bath fan running, sometimes that's irritating to people, and I get that, okay? There's a way you can work with that. It's called a sewn rating. S is in Sam, O-N-E, sewn rating. That's kind of like the industry term for uh, measuring the amount of sound that a fan makes. All right, the lower the sewn rating, the quieter the fan will be. All right, now one sewn is roughly equivalent to uh, the sound of a, of a refrigerator, a quiet refrigerator. So a quiet bath fan is going to be rated about 1.5 zones. Now, I've seen them three and four, okay? Those are the really noisy ones. So just, just realize that when you go in the store, like, you know, Home Depot has this big, huge display, the one I go into all the time, and they talk about CFMs, and they talk about zones, and it's on a scale, so you can pick, you know, kind of like a good, better, best situation. And uh, obviously, the higher the zone rate, or the lower the zone rating, the quieter the fan uh, the more that it's going to cost. That's that's it on the sewn thing, all right? So remember 
that this is this is a a system to keep the moisture out of your bathroom all right uh, you want to get that bath fan sized properly uh, you want to make sure that it's vented to the outside and you want to make sure that you use the fan for the appropriate length of time after you get done taking your shower that's the top three things to do all right the process if you will and if you have a, a fan with a high sewn rating and it's noisy and everything honestly you're not going to run it all the time so try to get one that has a lower sewn rating so that you'll use it and you'll actually run it so and then one other thing is clean those fans the fans if you use it correctly it moves quite a bit of air and there's dust in the air and if you run it for a year and you pull the cover off you're going to see all kinds of dust on them blades and in the fan so it's a good idea when you do your spring cleaning or whatever pull them fans down and clean those clean those fan blades out vacuum them out and uh take care of it that way okay so uh if you want a to see a visual a video of changing now let me just let me go this way too okay the bath fan and i know a lot of you if you're building new construction just put a new bath fan in and you're done good right but if you've got one already existing in your in your bathroom and you're doing a remodel project and you might not be taking a ceiling out or whatever you don't want to take all the drywall out put a new fan and get up in the attic and wire it and everything so if you go up inside pull the cover off and look up inside there there'll be a model number of that you can go on the internet and find a replacement just replace the guts to that fan okay that might be one way to go at it so you don't have to do a lot of drywall work and all that kind of stuff all right uh, if you want to go to youtube and go to my youtube channel contractor john there is a video posted i've got uh, like 90 some videos posted up there all kinds of do-it-yourself projects and that kind of thing so if you want to go there and look for the one that talks about changing the bath fan it'll walk you through step by step on how to change the guts on a uh, bathroom ceiling fan so it might be something that you guys want to do too so so uh and if you want to some other resources in that stop by contractorjohn.com uh always working to keep that website uh full of resources for you guys and uh so there's that thing available to you too so and i'm going to be adding more and more segments into the show as time goes on so i love to hear from you guys you know if you have an idea or a comment you know stop by the contractors on facebook page Give me a post. Let me know what your projects are, what your problems are. And I could do a podcast about that. I can answer you right on the Facebook page uh, or whatever. So so now I promise you guys, at the end of the show, we would uh, give away a copy of my book, The Dimension Bible for Do-It-Yourselfers and Remodelers. Okay, if you're ever doing a project around the home, and if you're listening to this podcast, obviously, you do projects around your home there's a hundred questions that come up how big is this how do i figure this what's the height to mount this uh what's the formula to do this all those kinds of measurements dimensions and formulas and charts 
All those kinds of things are in my book. It's like, and I called it the, the Dimension Bible because there's plenty of room for notes in that book in each section for your own home. So you have the book, you go through it, you do a project, and you make your own notes for your own home right in the book. And a lot of us who have Bibles write in our Bibles. So that's why I call it the Dimension Bible. All right, so you can keep that for years and years and years to come, okay? So, uh, all right, this is what we're going to do now. I'm going to borrow a line from my favorite radio personality of all time. And if you know who I'm talking about, who said this, and be the first person to post the answer to the Contractor John Facebook page, you'll win a copy of my book, The Dimension Bible for Remodelers and Do-It-Yourselfers. And here's the line. You ready? I'll see you next time. The good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Thanks for joining Contractor John here at DIYHouseMedic.com. If you have comments or questions, please visit the Contractor John Facebook page. And for everything else, visit ContractorJohn.com.